Cubicle Nate Noodlings recorded on 16th of September, 2019. This is episode three. This is my nerdy little corner of the internet where I just talk about the things that tickle my nerdy nerve endings. On the docket for today, the Commander X-16, a new retro computer, a bit of follow-up, and some open SUSE news. What's very exciting is with this episode, it is a 33% increase in podcasting content for you to, I don't want to say enjoy, because that's probably not the right word. Since this weekend, I've been noodling around this project that's been going on, all started because of the wonders of the internet. It's called the Commander X-16. It's a new retro computer. If you ever heard of the 8-bit guy, he's a YouTuber. Is that, a, is that an appropriate word? I don't know. We call it people that? Is, that. is that offensive? I don't know. He often presents content around old computers, you know, or interesting older technology. He decided that he wanted to build a new retro computer, or a computer something like a Commodore 64, but made with modern off-the-shelf components. So as far as the architecture goes of this machine, this Commander X-16, it's actually closer to a VIC-20 on board design, but far more capable. Now I'm rarely excited to see new things. I like my old computers, my Commodore 64, my Amigas, you know, even the, the laptop I'm running now, it's not, not terribly new, not terribly old either, but anytime there's something new, I tend to drag my heels on it. The very thought of having to get something new pretty much grinds me to a halt. But this, for whatever reason, gets me excited, and I can't exactly put my finger on it. This all started out as a kind of uh, pondering in 2018, and in February 2019, a video from David Murray, David Guy, about his dream computer and kind of where it was at at the time. The initial design started with the game Duino for the video chip, which had some technical hurdles and is based on an obsolete, as in a no longer supported chip that doesn't have a large pool of developers and hackers working on it. After some discussion and planning, he was decided to base it largely off the VIC-20, as most of the chips are still available today, minus the CPU and the... well, maybe the CPU is too but the, the, uh, the video chip is not. It is a known working design, and uh, some of the changes would be you know, a faster processor, better video, and better sound components. One of the goals of this project is to make it easy enough for one person to understand the whole board and make it easy to program. Some of the highlights I'd like to list out of the specifications are it has a WDC65X02 at 8 MHz, 40K of low RAM, 512K of high RAM, which is expandable up to 2 MB, two AY38910 sound generators, so it'll have a nice, you know, um, retro sound to it, and it is in stereo. The Vero video chip has 128K of internal video RAM, so the, the video RAM will be totally separate from the system RAM, and have a maximum display that looks like 640 by 480 at 60 hertz analog VGA output. And very importantly, it will have the Petsky fonts, and if you're not familiar with those, that's th that came from the PET computer, the Commodore PET computer era, and carried through on the VIC-20 and the Commodore 64. So I'm pretty excited about the Petsky characters. Don't know why, never really used them, never really liked them, but just the fact that they have Petsky characters built into it, that's pretty cool. The graphics of the system are on par or superior to that of the Amiga 500 and VGA graphics of that time, which for an 8-bit or 16-bit system could make for some very interesting games to be targeted against this platform. So today, there is an emulator that can be downloaded from GitHub, and yes, there is a Linux build for it. You pretty much just have to download it and run it. It doesn't have to be installed or anything. It's a self-contained application where you can start mucking around with it. And uh, So I tested it. 
wrote some basic programs and demonstrated to my kids how much fun it is to write your very own programs and how easy it is. Yeah, so they're just writing their names and so forth, but nonetheless, they got excited about it. What makes this project interesting for me is that it's a kind of rebirth of the Commodore 64 and a kind of VIC-20 board design. Although this is still in the works, it's being worked on, it's looking to be a fun educational tool and a hobby device that can be a target for game development that uses mostly off-the-shelf components. I would call this a kind of neo-retro system that will hopefully end up in my collection of retroish hardware in the not-so-distant future. I've included some links so you can learn more about this in my show notes, should I call it that? I'm a member of the Big Daddy Linux Live community, so this is kind of my, my little follow-up. One of last Saturday's subjects was Manjaro Linux has formed into a company. And although I, I really don't care a whole lot about Arch, I'm glad to see that someone is looking at Linux, looking at free software, and has decided to make a living from it. There was some hullabaloo, not on the show, but I've seen in the, in the Telegram channels and elsewhere that that they're just going to be a greedy company focused only on money. And yes, greed is indeed a bad thing. But sustainability is a great thing. So long as those involved in the project don't lose focus on the core reasons that they got into Linux in the first place, they should continue to prosper and benefit Linux as a whole. Our next challenge is MX Linux 19. It's in beta right now. But I don't look at this as much of a challenge as this is one of the distros I really enjoy using. Beyond OpenSUSE, MX Linux is, is kind of my, my other go-to, especially for older hardware. So this will be fun. I'll enjoy hearing what people have to say about MX Linux. I'm sure it's going to be nothing but roses and puppy dogs. From the OpenSUSE corner come some rather exciting new updates. The YAST Development Sprint 84 has brought about several improvements to YAST. The first was to address YAST's usage of QTUI event handling. It had been a kind of non-standard method, and they kind of misused Qt, or Qt, to hammer it into shape. And it recently broke with the latest release of Qt. Digging into it a little bit, I still am not sure why they're using Qt in a non-standard way. Maybe to be accommodating to the Yast and Cursus interface, or to be interface agnostic. I'm not sure. More to come on that in the future. I do appreciate the developers' almost raw honesty in the matter. It's nice to see... OpenSUSE is okay with showing you their warts. There are updates to wireless networking portion of YAST to make it more intuitive, and this is a welcome change, as this is quite likely the only thing in the YAST install that is a kind of glaring issue for many users. So this should come to Tumbleweed soon. I didn't see a date. Maybe I missed it. Also in the YAST sprint, there are enhancements to the partitioner with encrypted devices that has been ongoing work. There's some changes that will be trickling down to uh, broaden the set of technologies and use cases that the partitioner supports. Already, YAST does a lot in this regard, so I'll be keeping an eye out for future development here. Tumbleweed Snapshots 2019-09-05, 07, and 09 are exciting new bundles of software joy that has come down to include KDE Applications 19.08.01, which contains improvements to Contact, my favorite personal information manager, Dolphin, Caden Live, Console, Step, and more. This is the first I've heard of Step, and this is an interesting education piece of software that I've never heard of before. In short, it's an interactive physical simulator that allows you to explore the physical world in a simulated environment. So essentially, physics, but fun. So this is something I will have to try. The anti-malware applications Clamav, is that how you say it, Clamav, Clamav, received an update that addressed two vulnerabilities. The GNOME web browser package Epiphany plugged another memory leak, 
Plasma Desktop received a minor update to 5.16.5 and fixed K-Wayland integration builds with recent frameworks, and Qt 5.13. About 15 CVEs were addressed with Mozilla's Firefox, which addressed Mozilla's JavaScript engine SpiderMonkey. And how cool a name for a Java engine is, is that, SpiderMonkey. KDevelop 5 received an update to 5.4.2, and dozens of other updates came down the pike. The snapshots in totality are scoring in the low 80s, but being considered moderately stable. I haven't had any issues with any software crashing, but I only use a small sliver of the totality of all the applications available for OpenSUSE Tumbleweed. Thank you once again for carving out a little time for this silly little podcast. I appreciate the numbers. If you have any questions or comments or derogatory things to say, feel free to send them to me. I love receiving new email. It's lots of fun today. Most of it's junk mail or subscriptions to things I keep unsubscribing to, so something other than that, like a real letter or email, it's a lot of fun. Until next time, see yous.